0: Welcome to Faith Fondue, a podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics, ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It's February 20th, the week of President's Day weekend week. For some schools, this is a winter break. I don't know if and your school has the week off. Some schools here do, we do not. It is also the seventh Sunday in Ordinary Time. We are in Season 3, Episode 4. Anne, what is hot this week in your flame?
1: Thanks, Haley, and happy President's Weekend. We celebrate this holiday because of the birthdays of our first president, George Washington, as well as the great Abraham Lincoln. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about presidents and their... Commitment or passion of sport as sports fans and athletes themselves. We have a lot to discuss today's gospel. As you said, so simple yet so challenging. I want to talk a little bit about hunger and a lesson learned from Faith in Football, my Super Bowl project. And you made it, Haley. You made it through admissions. The process is good. Congratulations.
0: Yep, I did. We finished up our uh, just a really busy admission season. Uh, complicated by snow days and covid hiccups um, where we weren't always full staffed myself included but I, again it's all about the process we talked about it last week I feel really good about the process about holistically looking at a whole child not just test scores we don't even do testing in that sense um, but there's it's kind of nice to be on the back end of any big project and the best part of being on the back end of a big project or, work engagement is, is feeling good about the process, right? It's, it may not be perfect. There's always ways to reflect and look back on something, but I think in any, in, in anything we do, whether it's work, whether it's personal, anytime we have the completion of something, just feeling good about the effort and the, what you put into it is, it's just a nice way to feel. It's a good way to approach anything is to give it your best and move on. But, and I learned something this week as I was, going through what I feel like has been really five weeks, six weeks, a really, really busy three weeks of, of this season. I have not been on social media as much. I think that is probably a good thing because I don't have time to waste on it, so I don't even go on it. But I did miss your birthday, and I was very glad to have social media and Facebook remind me that it was your birthday this week, so I apologize for not bringing that up last week, but I hope you had a good one.
1: Thank you, Haley. I um, did have a great birthday. It's February 15th. I don't know, some people say they don't like a lot of attention drawn to themselves. I'm somewhere in the middle. Like it's not, I do not wanna, you know, shout to the world that it's my birthday. Also everybody, I hope, wants someone to recognize their day. I happen to love my birthday. I am the day after Valentine's Day, which I think is great. Now, I I do kind of envy people who have a holiday as their birthday.
0: So, really? for example,
1: my godmother, her name is Valerie. She was born on Valentine's Day. I think that's so cool. February 14th. So, it's fun sharing kind of close birthdays. A friend of mine offered his wife $1,000 if she would deliver their son on St. Patrick's Day. Huh. You don't have control over that obviously. And she did. And I thought, how great is that? You know, Kevin Dugan, born on St. Patrick's day, March 17th, a great birthday. My aunt Wendy is the 4th of July. Love that. Another friend Karen, her birthday is Christmas Eve. She's a Christmas Eve baby. So, so fun to be able to celebrate, you know, special days, whether or not the number is significant. I was with my mom, my dad and my sister for dinner and then a couple of things this week friends had uh, a friend had a group of us over to watch House of Gucci on Friday night. We were joking to, that we should wear your best Gucci. Huh. Real or real or imitation. And uh last night at a crab feed a group of my golf girls surprised me and we had a cake. One friend, she just she loves to she's such a good planner for events. She's so talented and it's so thoughtful and she makes you just feel so special. So that was a really special way to um, conclude the birthday week.
0: Oh, I love that birthday week. Some people do birthday month. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm all about your birthday. I'm curious though that I, I appreciate your perspective in enjoying celebrating a birthday that's also on a different holiday. I don't know if everybody feels that way. So that's that's a great that's a great perspective. That hopefully those who do have holiday based birthdays have as well. I, I too love my birthday and it's just, it's a fun day to just do whatever you want and be who you are and have it kind of just be yours even though we celebrate it with so many other people.
1: Sure, now I, have, I do have a story from dinner. My family, we choose a place we'd like to go out to eat and I chose a restaurant in Alamo where my parents live. Was glad my dad was able to come out and join us and we really enjoyed the waiter she was from Italy and you could tell she had a great accent and we were chatting it up with her and at the conclusion of the meal she says okay what's the relationship here and my mom opens up the door and says well guess and I'm thinking what is there to guess right and my sister's two years younger than me literally her birthday is this week which is kind of fun too that we're almost exactly two years apart so she says, okay, you two are the parents. And then she points to me, you are the daughter. And then she says, and you to me are her mother. And I was horrified. And my sister was so sweet. She felt so terrible that this woman thought that my sister, again, who's two years younger than me was my daughter. And Honestly, Haley, she looked in complete disbelief that she wasn't for a while. That was like the funniest part about it. So some people think that's horrible and it's, you know, embarrassing. I just thought it was so funny because I have seen similar situations. A friend once asked a man if she was um, this woman's son, and it was her husband. So I've been around when people put insert foot and mouth. This time I was the you know, the brunt of the of the of the moment, and my sister felt who's very sensitive. She was she felt so bad, but I said, "Good for you, you know." Absolutely, hey, you, you look young. And she thought she was like twenty five. My sister is not twenty five. Again, she's two years younger than me. Not gonna tell my age on the air, but. You know, people can figure that one out. Anyway, so it was just kind of a funny, you know, memory from the birthday. But again, Anne,
0: kudos to you for having that perspective of, about not everybody would feel that way. I don't know how I would feel if someone thought my sister was my daughter. But um, I'll I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep your perspective in mind of, of finding the entertainment in it and not thinking that
1: it's not something to celebrate it's so horrific yes <laughs> but you have to laugh right
0: you have to laugh absolutely
1: yeah. well no, i was year of the tiger and i don't know what year you are so um gung he fat Choi to our listeners in san francisco this parade was last night it was celebrated i think the tiger is such a incredible animal i'm embracing the tiger haley that should be my theme embrace the tiger absolutely that's so, a great one Last night at this crab feed, I brought party, because I had to find out about the surprise because there was a work event that kind of almost derailed my attendance and um, it worked out great. Thank you to all who made it work, coaches, you know, friends. And so I bought these scratchers and they're Year of the Tiger. And so everyone at the table got their own scratcher. There was an eight is a prosperity in Chinese culture. So the biggest prize is eight hundred eighty-eight dollars. Then there's eighty-eight dollars or eight dollars and you just have to match, you know, the three. There were no winners yet. So we'll keep, you know, keep the faith, keep, you know, keep enjoying Year of the Tiger in whatever way prosperity finds you.
0: I love that. I love that. Well, I just looked it up and my year was the year of the ox. So I'll okay. have to I'll have to All dig right. in and see what what that looks yes. like. Well, yes. speaking of celebrating, I attended a, sh- a small little celebration yesterday. I was invited to attend a virtual meeting of the, they call themselves the Mighty Mid-Atlantic Clubs, Notre Dame Clubs. So it was a regional meeting of Notre Dame Clubs of the Mid-Atlantic. So all Notre Dame Club leadership from this Mid-Atlantic region were on this Zoom. looked like there was maybe maybe 40 people attending. And they decided this year to kick off their celebration of 50 years of co-education at Notre Dame by hosting a panel. And they invited a woman from a graduate of Notre Dame from each decade, the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s, I think is what they called it. We'll have to figure out exactly how you say that. To, sure. just, to just give a four-minute answer to the question of what would you want? Notre Dame alumni, current Notre Dame alumni, just the Notre Dame family to know about your experience. You know, what what would what do we want people to know about our time at Notre Dame? So, of course, we all have a very unique Notre Dame story and we all have things about Notre Dame that are all very similar to us. It's one of the things I love about the university. And and maybe a lot of universities are like that, but of course, all, all I know is Notre Dame. So I love the commonalities that we all share. And, and then I love that we all have our unique story. I, of course, have a story that most people don't have um, that that I, in a different way, that was really hard to share in four minutes. So that was my mm. big challenge yeah, was yeah. how do I convey what I want to convey in four minutes? But it was a really neat, uh, I, I get so emotional about Notre Dame for so many different reasons. And I was the third speaker to go because, of course, as you and I have talked about, we're kind of right in the middle of this 50 years, right? We have two decades that came before us and two decades after us, and we're the decade in the middle. And the first woman who spoke came from the 1970s. She was the very first woman to graduate from the University of Notre Dame. She's actually a 1972 grad, and she has a fascinating story that you and I will share at some point. And just listening to her speak, what it, it I get emotional about these trailblazers. And again, the next woman, she was a 1983 grad, these women who went before us, who paved the way, who thought it was a good idea to go to a historically all-male school and to take on that challenge that then allowed the school to become what it was when we were there that gave us our experience. And I, I find that so emotional because, of course, Notre Dame is so much a part of our, our lives, my life, and the way I live my life and who I've become and the people I've met and everything. So to, to meet these women and to, to share this panel with them, I just, I love it. I find it so fascinating. I could listen to them speak for a long time. And then even to listen to the two women come after me, who of course are younger than I am, very different stages of life, but they're so impressive. And I feel like our alumni just can, and not that the first two women aren't massively impressive. I mean, the 72 grad went into investment banking in the seventies, that was unheard of for a woman. So everybody's just so impressive in their own way. And I feel like they continue to just raise the bar. Um, So it's just, it's such a privilege to be a part of this group. And I know so many of us wonder, where do we fit in there? And I think we all feel that way, even though we all fit in very, very well in our own way. But it was a really neat way to, I guess, in my own mind, as we look at this year, 2022, which is the 50th year of co-education at Notre Dame. And there are so many different ways that the university is honoring it. And I know you and I have our own you know, plan that we're brainstorming collectively about how to be involved in this. It was fun to kick it off in more kind of an official way, in a, in a very tangible way. And to, it, it, it inspired me to really dive into this. Let, we need to celebrate 50 years of co-education because there are five decades of really inspiring women out there.
1: I love it. I think, you know, the theme, one of the things that's come up for us is milestones and I hearing about this experience, this panel, I'm so glad that they offered that. And it reminds me, I don't know if we talked about it on the air of when I went to hall of fame um, at Olympic club, my, where I play golf, my athletic club. And in this world today where there's so much, I mean, there's so much hurt, sadness, struggle, and strife. We need, stories like this we need messages like this of inspiration that was the first thing that was your concluding remark you know this was so inspiring to be a part of it you inspire so many people you're part of this and then to know like these people before you and after you and that you're only seeing that it's it's not a light that's diminishing in fact it's even growing and we have to take this time to reflect on it and celebrate it so Is there a way, but did they record that? I mean, that's the easy response, you know, hey, can I see that? But maybe that's not the right response. Maybe it is to take advantage of opportunities this year for joining in that celebration of co-education, inviting people at reunion to come on the Thursday for it to in their local ways or events, whatever it may be, be a part of hall of fame, um, be a part of, you know, again, this anniversary, whoever's anniversary it is.
0: Right. Right. Yes. I. It, that's all something to think about. And, you know, again, you and I have talked about this a lot. It's a reminder. There's so many stories out there. And I just looked up the question in particular. It was, what do you want the Notre Dame family of today and tomorrow to know about your Notre Dame experience? And, uh-huh. you know, again, such a loaded question that we could all talk about for so long. Uh, but the one thing that that I shared, that I started with and ended with that I truly believe, and you've probably heard me say this too, is Notre Dame is the gift that keeps on giving. And my four years at Notre Dame were really tough. They were definitely not the best four years of my life. Yeah. Uh, you hear that with college. It, it was not for me, but what it gave me was the foundation. And what it gave me was this gift that continues to give to me. And when I look at people I'm closest to from the university who have made a huge impact on my life, they aren't necessarily my classmates or my roommates or my teammates. Some of them are for sure. But they're people I've met along the way. They're people I've met post-graduation. So for me, that's that's the best part of Notre Dame, right? It is the gift that keeps on giving. And of course, like all gifts, to to receive them, you have to give them as well. They don't just mm. show up all the time. So I think no. that's that's what we all strive to do. But a neat way to kick it off, this is not the the last we'll talk about this. No,
1: right at all. Um but just real quick, maybe as a preview for all this to come, can you share what was maybe the most surprising insight from that panel? So the most surprising one for me was the
0: the 1972 graduate. She was the first woman woman to graduate from the university. She was the only woman to graduate in 1972 because as a St. Mary's student, she had been taking a number of, of business classes at Notre Dame at, because the merger was supposed to take place between Notre Dame and St. Mary's. And when that merger fell through, St. Mary's told her that she couldn't graduate that spring because she didn't have enough St. Mary's credits.
1: Oh. So
0: she was a second semester senior looking at not graduating in May, even though she had taken a a number of the the correct classes, the the right coursework for her major. But as a business major that St. Mary's did not have, St. Mary's was not going to let her graduate from there. And she went to her dean at Notre Dame that she had been working with, and she went to Father Hesburgh, and they both said, we got you. So she was the only woman to graduate and walk That graduate. It it was a story I'd never heard, and I had thought, "How do we not know this story?" And I completely
1: agree. And
0: we will tell it. uh, So stay tuned. There's more to more to hear about.
1: Wonderful, my new friend Mary. You're welcome. Yeah, and smart move having you on the panel. And um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a good year in that way of recognizing what fifty years means and what it will you know lead to. So. Absolutely. Oh, Irish. More
0: yes. to come. So in our spiritual stew, uh, today's gospel, for those who have been to Mass yet or maybe have not, it, again, it's a big one. It is one that we hear all the time that takes many different forms. People reference it, use it, refer to it. It, it is, again, so easy, so simple, and yet so hard. So Luke's gospel in its entirety is Luke 6, 27 through 38. But the one passage in there that we all know is do unto others as you would have them do to you. And there's so much to unpack there. And, you know, uh, even even conversations that you and I have had anecdotally over the past week with, with your job, with my job, with what's going on in our lives personally, it's so hard to act and think, right? It's, it's not always our actions that we need to check, keep in check, right? I think you and I do a pretty good job of at least outwardly doing to others as we would want them to do to us. But our thoughts and our words can, can are, the, are the biggest challenge, I think. What did you think when you heard this today? For me, it was, yeah, okay, I got it. Yes. You're right. (laughs) And I'm not always doing that.
1: Well, I do love the focus you put there on not just the action, but what's in our heart and our mind. And uh, I think there's always an invitation to be more Christ-like and uh, loving and all of that. Cause it, it, you can't separate one from the other, right? I mean, you can, because we do, we guard ourselves or, you know, we figured it out, but that's a lofty goal. So I think that might be part of our takeaway is to really go deep with the heart and the mind on doing unto others. According to my pastor it used to be, don't do to others what you don't want them to do, or mm. I, I, I don't know. And Jesus made a positive spin, but I couldn't help but think of Kohlberg. Kohlberg's the theory of moral development that you know at a certain age you're you're doing right because you don't want to be punished right so you do good for reward and you avoid bad because you don't want to be punished mm-hmm. and then it's do you know, under others as you want to be treated which is kind of this quid pro quo and then eventually it becomes do unto others what is ultimately the right thing to do whether or not you want to that to happen to you or not that there's a principle that's larger than ourselves uh, but this is all within the spirit of loving your enemies. Yes. And our uh, intentions today were very, quite literally intentional, where we prayed for world leaders, world leaders who are despots, who are using rhetoric and, I mean, like misguided teachings. And we didn't go specific, but it was just that there are world leaders that are hateful that do not lead for the good of humanity, that are self-interested, that are, you name it. So we prayed for those world leaders. We prayed for teachers who teach misguided truths. Mm. This is strong language, but it was also very humbling because as a teacher, I thought uh, this is not the other, this could be me. And you know, again, hearts and minds, we have to just be open to the fact we might be wrong, for me as a christian that's why i like having the church because i i hope and believe the church is my guiding light the life of christ is the way that's pointed but there's always this sense of i could be wrong
0: right well and i think you i think you make a good point and i see this in my own life with with someone very close to me who i i love the this whole concept of doing unto others as we would have them do unto you i think we notice it more when it doesn't happen, and you know, we notice it more when someone is not treating you the way that they expect to be treated or want to be treated, and that that's very hard because then I find myself judging them. Well, you're yes. that's not, if I said that to you, that would never work. So mm. it's I, I think again, mm-hmm. with world leaders, same thing. We notice it in its, in its absence when it's not happening. And and so maybe part of our challenge is to recognize and celebrate when it is happening, when people are treating us the way we would want to be treated, we, we would want to treat them or they would want to be treated. You know, maybe we need to flip and make sure that we're also praying for those who are doing it and as well as those who are not, but you're right. You know, in the gospel it continues on about how even the sinner is kind to, to those who, who sin, or I'm going to get the words wrong, but you know, even the taxpayer, you know, is kind to the taxpayers and we need to do unto others as those who are not of like mind. Yeah.
1: No, thank you for that reminder. You're absolutely right. It is so much easier to see the plank, right or the wood or the splinter in the eye of somebody else when we can't see the what the plank in our own. Yes. And I don't like when I'm in that space. Well, no, really, who does? I yeah. <laughs> I hope yeah.
0: It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's it's I went to a workshop this past week. Uh it, she's it, it was amazing. It was a just diversity training that we had as a part of our professional development day. And she was really good, but it was and she started off by saying we are going to go to and and she this is a, a three year process that she's been working with us over three years, which you have to. this isn't a one and done thing. and And so she's built up this trust with our our faculty and staff but she started off this 2 hour session by saying we are going to go we are going to some very uncomfortable places today and mm. and this is a safe space so it's okay to to feel uncomfortable and to say things so that we can dissect them and break them down mm. but that's the only way we're going to learn is to put ourselves out there into an uncomfortable place so yes this gospel can put us into some really uncomfortable spaces where we have to look at who we are and what we say and what we think and in our own minds not justify or rationalize what we're saying or thinking because that makes it more comfortable for us it it's we we only learn and grow whether it's in a professional development setting or in our spiritual life or academically for students when we put ourselves out there in a very uncomfortable situation and that is not something that is comes naturally to most people that is not human nature to to want to be uncomfortable uh, but it's the only way we're going to grow and learn mm-hmm. and change certainly individually but also collectively as a community
1: yeah Lots to chew on there. That that really.
0: is a that is a hefty yeah. stew. This is a beef stew today. Yes. It is a spiritual stew, but it's yeah. but it's really important. It's again, it's so simple when you mm-hmm. talk about of course you are gonna treat people the way we want to be treated. But mm-hmm. there's so much more to that that yeah. we can't just take the words at face value. We really have to dissect them and, and look at them. So I think we'll chew on this. I certainly will for a lot this week. It's, you know, last week, my, my takeaway was to look at making sure that all of my thoughts and words and actions were done with love. I I don't know if I always did that, but I was very aware of it all week. I think that's the start of real change was at least being aware of it and reminding myself that that was my takeaway for the week. And I think this week, you know the great takeaway for me um when we get there is to just make sure that i am saying and treating others the way i would want to be treated yeah. and spoken to again very simple very hard but i think just yeah. that that recognition yeah. uh right. hopefully will bring about change but talking about change you had a really interesting project that i love you do with your students every year faith and football what what came from that did you have any real fun yeah. insight
1: Uh, A couple things. So yeah, faith in football is a way to just draw in the Super Bowl into sports and spirituality. I only do it in the spring semester, obviously, because that's when the Super Bowl takes place. And it's the Friday before the Super Bowl. And the piece that I want to chew on for our spiritual stew is the connection to hunger. And that might be surprising for people to say Super Bowl and hunger. Where are we going with this? I was blogging about this morning, the numbers were up on the Super Bowl, the viewership probably because the games were so good leading up to it. Also, I think people feel more comfortable to maybe go to Super Bowl parties Mm -hmm. now, they're resuming and people eat more on Super Bowl Sunday, like we said, than any other day of the year other than Thanksgiving. So in in light of all that, I have this presentation, the class is divided in two, they investigate each team, the coaches, the players, the faith life of certain players, the cities, the communities, their charitable outreach, And on that day, you're supposed to bring in Super Bowl snacks or canned food for the Second Harvest Food Bank or I dropped it off at San Francisco Marin uh, Food Bank. And it was awesome. My students brought in at least 25 cans, which are easy to drop off. I called the food bank because I wanted to make sure they were open so I could drop it off. But I found out you can actually drop off food at uh, a number of local grocery stores. So I wanted to follow up on that because I think it's always good to know where you can donate your food. At any rate, I went to the food bank. It's on Pennsylvania Avenue, kind of the south part of the city. Love it. Have volunteered there many times, specifically with the Notre Dame Alumni Club, the gift that keeps on giving, just to speak Mm -hmm. to that. And I noticed that the food bank was expanding. They're growing. It's this warehouse. It's beautiful. It's, you know very efficient in terms of its space it um it's a good place but it's growing and part of me anytime you see an addition it's like wow good for them but then i thought that's so sad this is kind of a counterintuitive growth there's they're only growing because there's more need right and if there wasn't more need they wouldn't be growing so i always remind students of what st anthony's and the tenderloin the food kitchen says, they said, our goal is to close our doors. If we close, it's because people are not hungry. And I thought, what if every food bank in this country contracted as opposed to expanded? What if they just said, we don't need this warehouse anymore? Um, that's not a reality in light of COVID. We have more people who are hungry and there is a real need for people to get the food that food banks offer. Food banks are a Band-Aid, they're not the answer. They oftentimes hold over people, you know, in between jobs, um, between, you know, SNAP was what we call, you know, um, what's what's it called when you get, um, you know, money for the grocery store, food stamps. food stamps. We don't call them food stamps anymore. Now it's, uh, I think- Supplemental
0: it- Nutrition Assistance Program.
1: Yeah. Snap. And it's a card just to kind of reduce the stigma behind it, which mm-hmm. is all those things are positive. So it's good that we have food banks. I'm not saying that, but it was kind of a rude awakening. And I shared that with my students. So, um, pray for those who go hungry. We, I, th- I invite people to think about a society where we don't need food banks, where we waste less, all of those things.
0: That. That is a hefty topic there, Anne. Yeah, I, it, I know. It's certainly a goal. I, 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 It's a goal. I don't want to say it's not a realistic goal because I think all goals um, should be based in reality. But uh, that's a lot to think about. And it's certainly yes. a lot to think about more than, again, just saying to your child, they're starving children. You need to finish your dinner, which kind of is a joke, but I know parents say it. Um, but th- there really is a... A, a hunger, need that we need,
1: yeah, yeah, to address. Well, and I I forget the context for what somebody said. I don't know. They said, "Well, that's not." I don't know what they said. It's not possible. I said, "No, actually, it is possible." We, they've done the studies on food. We have enough food that no one actually needs to go hungry. It's more an allocation of the resources, and yes. that, and again, an invitation. You're so right as the parent, the motivator, the anything that we say, just because so Americans throw out about 35% of their food in their refrigerator, if I use up hundred percent of my food doesn't necessarily mean that no one's going hungry. You know, it's not again, I'm gonna say quid pro quo, but at the same time, it's something, there's something in the system, whether it's social sin or whatnot, that as we do, we waste food, we have hungry people. We could probably do better in both. Of course. Not we probably. Can. We can Of course so. we
0: can. Right. And that, that again is a theme that I heard this weekend from Notre Dame Women. I think it's a theme mm. that you and I try to live by. There's always room to improve. There's always, there's always more we could do and we can give. So that's, that's something to keep in mind as we move through this week. And let's make sure that we are doing it and giving it in ways that we would want to receive it. I think that is, again, my huge takeaway for this week is just being very thoughtful in my words and my actions and my thoughts in particular, and making sure that I navigate this week in a way that is not just coasting. It's Again, it's been a busy start to 2022. And that doesn't mean we can take a break and pause. It means we can take a break and rest and recharge. But I think we, again, there's always more we can do and give. So take care of ourselves so we can take care of others.
1: Love it. And I would just add maybe a prayer for that as the examine, Um, to think, to pray the examine, which invites us to reflect upon our day. And for me, that's a good way to think of hearts and minds and um, what is kind of bubbling up inside so that my actions can be loving, which was your key theme from last week. So that's a good word to carry over into this week um, as we move forward. Excellent. Well, Anne, I'm glad
0: you had a great birthday celebration week. We should all celebrate everything we can. Uh, certainly celebrate the gifts that we have, the gifts of our faith in particular, and the gifts that we are privileged to share with others. So I hope you have a great week. I hope our listeners have a great week. And I can already think of topics that I look forward to discussing with you next week.
1: Thanks, Haley. Have a good week.
0: You too.